It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Welcome back. It's another edition of Make the Dough Rise. Walter Storholt with you alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner, Living Worth Wealth Advisors. Find us online at livingworth.com. Brian, what's going on, my friend? How's life? Man, I am just going to be sitting home making pizzas because I can't afford to go anywhere. Okay. I hear you on that front. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> These gas prices are going crazy. Last weekend, we drove to the coast to visit my folks for a little day trip and to have some have some lunch with them, do a little shopping. And we took my wife's car, better gas mileage uh, than mm-hmm. you know my old Tahoe. But with the way gas prices are now, when we filled uh, filled it back up when we got home, I was like, oh my gosh, she still had a quarter tank in her car and it still costs over $50 to fill it up. I was like, that is insane. I've never seen her tank cost more than 50 bucks to fill up, even when it's completely on E. Let yep. alone only three quarters of a tank. So it definitely no, my, hit me a little bit. I was like, this became a really expensive lunch today. <laughs> indeed. When my, my oldest daughter started earning money. She's got, you know, babysitting jobs and part time jobs. And I was thinking back to even when I was in college, I could fill up, which I mean, I had a Honda Accord. And it, it probably didn't have a, what, 12 gallon gas tank or something like that. Yeah, 12, but I remember 12, I was 12 able to, 15, to fill up my maybe car. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably in that range. This was like a early to mid '80s Honda Accord. So yeah, ten bucks I could fill up the the tank, and you know you could earn enough to keep things going then. But yeah. uh, for a hundred dollars to fill up a or or more to fill up an, an SUV tank, that's crazy. Yeah, I my my 1990 Subaru Legacy, I think most of the time filled up for around twenty bucks, maybe maybe slightly more, which felt mm-hmm. pretty nice. So we were doing the math on Teslas. My my middle daughter is going to be the next one to get her driver's license, and she, she's she's angling for a Tesla. And so she had we we, were, we drive back and forth to Athens, which is you know it's about fifty miles uh, each way. And we were in driving a Toyota Land Cruiser, which is paid for and has been for a long time, which I enjoy. But when you do the math on how much gas we were burning up, it was going to save hundreds of dollars a month to switch to a Tesla. Huh. So she was very wisely, you know, vectoring in on her campaign for a Tesla that, well, look, I mean, you, you almost can't afford not to do this. I mean, it's, it's so much cheaper. I said, well, I, I appreciate the effort, but uh, I think I'm going to stick with my paid for car. She, she's like one of the kids that puts together like PowerPoint presentations for, you know, this is why I need a phone or, you know, those, those kinds of requests. Yeah, very, very logically uh, thought out and articulated. Mm-hmm. This is why I should go on the um, on the group field trip to the mountains to go skiing, and then has all the all the important bullet points and pros and cons laid out. I love it; it's fantastic. Yeah, so we we may be sitting still for a while and just wait for all this to to blow over. Hopefully, it does. Well, perhaps your daughter should join us again for another episode, and today might be a perfect one for her to be on board with, seeing as how she likes to make logical arguments, look at the numbers, and kind of run all these things because. That's sort of what we're going to do on today's show. We're talking taxes, but we're going to try and make it a little interesting, Brian, by talking about tax traps, in particular for singles and their heirs. Uh, what caught your attention about the, this topic? Obviously, we're kind of entering into that time of year, I suppose, where this becomes a bit of a focus for folks. Yeah, we're vectoring in on tax time for sure. But I've also had, you know, over the years and, and even here recently, clients whose spouse passes away or children who in, inherit IRAs and the like. And we've talked extensively in the past about 
different tax traps, you know, where social security becomes taxable, uh, where you pay the Obamacare surcharges, uh, where you begin to lose some deductions. I mean, there, there's, there's traps all the way up and down the spectrum uh, that could result in higher taxes, higher Medicare premiums, additional taxes that get, get tacked on to what you're already paying. And, and those are good to know. You got to navigate them around them year to year. But one that you really haven't talked about and you know, largely you're not in, in control of. So it all the more reason to plan ahead. But as you move from a joint to a single earner's uh, tax table, those tax brackets get compressed dramatically. Uh, and, and then we could talk about IRA distributions being accelerated. And it's more important now than ever to think about what future tax rates might be versus what they are today. So, so standard logic, Walter, what, which do you think is better to pay a tax today or to pay a tax tomorrow? Well, typically, you know, get the pain with over with now, pay it today, be done with it. Oh, well, you, that's, you are not a trained CPA then. Oh, okay. <laughs> because in the world of, of tax preparation, uh, what gets hardwired in is delay a tax as long as possible. Okay. So if you don't have to pay a tax today, don't pay it. You know, just defer it until the future. Well, if all things were stable, uh, yeah, that would actually be pretty good advice. You can grow your money and defer a tax. And it'd be like paying unrealized capital gains on a house or a stock portfolio. Just, just because it goes up, you don't have to sell and trigger the gain. But if, you, if there was some way to increase the basis and, and realize the gain, you could. Well, obviously, you want to wait as long as possible. And that's the conventional wisdom. In fact, I, I knew an accountant. He, he had a, a bit of a gimmick, in my opinion, but he would do tax holidays every other year for his clients who had retired. And, and they, maybe they were still in the early to mid-60s. They hadn't started Social Security claiming yet. They hadn't started IRA distributions yet. And so he would have them have a couple of years where they they might realize some gains, take some money out of IRAs one year, and then pause that for the second year, and they would have a tax holiday. So they'd have a zero tax bill every other year. Huh. His clients loved it. They thought they were really getting away with something. Like being able to cheat on the diet a little bit. Yeah, exactly. They squeezed a few extra calories in there that weren't going to count or something like that. As much as people liked it, and the concept seems like a, a clever thing to do, you're actually wasting some opportunity to take money out of retirement accounts, to realize some income, to take some gains at very low tax rates. Whereas if you defer, if you wait on this, like, like he's doing, uh, you're going to, th those RMDs aren't going away. They're only getting larger. The unrealized capital gains aren't going away. They're getting larger. That was the strategy that I looked at and I said, yeah, that doesn't really make any sense. I understand why people like it. But um, in a stable world, if you had fixed rates and uh, could had perfect visibility of the future, you, you could make long-term plans and, and maybe do some things like that. But my, my caution is, is don't be so worried about taxes today that you ignore your future rates and the rates of your of your heirs in, in the future. 
kind of that constant battle between short-term and long-term planning, that the pay me now, pay me later, uh, instant gratification versus delayed gratification, that, that old debate kind of, I guess, rears its head every year around this time, right? No, absolutely. The reality, if you've, if you've paid any attention at all, I mean, the federal debt, we're, we're at $29 trillion, vectoring in on $30 trillion of, of debt. And when you factor in the unfunded liabilities for Social Security, Medicare, I mean, you're, you're literally talking about hundreds uh, of trillions of dollars, I mean, just absolutely staggering numbers. If you think that tax rates are going to be lower in the future, there's not much research that needs to be done that says that's a, a highly unlikely scenario. All right. Well, what else are we worried about right now when it comes to tax traps for singles and their heirs and uh, some things people should think about this year? Yeah, well, so let's let, let's look at surviving spouses and let's do a quick recap of the, our progressive tax system. Okay, so this may be very, very obvious and people either completely understand this or it's worth a, a, another lap around because People think moving to a higher tax bracket means one thing when, when in reality it, it, uh, it, it could be a little bit different. But as it stands right now, you and a surviving spouse would have a, a standard deduction of $25,900. So, so the first $25,900 that you earn, you effectively pay no tax on. From there, the next... 20550 to be precise, you pay a 10% rate on that next block of money. Okay, so, so right now we're at you know, about $50,000, about $45-ish thousand dollars here where you're, you're paying no or very nominal tax on. At the point that you have uh, $20,551 of taxable income, Okay, so that's your standard deduction money and the $20,550 that's taxed at 10%. That next range from $20,551 to $83,550, you pay 12%. Not a a huge increase over the the 10% bracket, but you can see that by the time you tally up your standard deduction, your uh, 10% bracket money, and your 12% bracket money, you've got about a hundred and Nine hundred eight, hundred eight to hundred ten thousand dollars that you can earn and stay in that twelve percent bracket. Now, moving above that, you move into the twenty-two percent bracket. Not for all your money, but just for the incremental money above that eighty-three five fifty of taxable income. So, does that? Makes sense. To, to, to yep. the, I don't want to get too bogged down in the if numbers, I'm, but if I'm in a higher tax bracket, it's not that I'm paying the higher amount on all of the dollars, just what exceeds then the previous bracket. Correct. Sort Correct. Of. Yeah. So, so a a couple going along, and you've got Social Security coming in, you've got dividend incomes, you may have pensions, all the different income source annuities, whatever your income sources are, and. The way they calculate the taxability of of Social Security benefits, those numbers are so low and so outdated. Uh, and as we talked about last time, they may they may change or up that. But all of that, once it gets going, it's really not going to stop. Then you hit seventy two, your required minimum distributions kick in, and it's it it's very easy to to kind of hit that hundred hundred and ten, you know, maybe even hundred and fifty thousand dollar number. Well, when you have one spouse passes, you're going to lose 
one the smaller of your social security payments. If they had single life pensions or single life annuities, th those things go away. But all of your dividends from your portfolio, all of your distributions, required minimum distributions from IRAs, those things are going to continue to happen. Well, what happens to the single filer is that standard deduction gets cut down to 12950 the 10% bracket is cut down to the next $10,275. The 12% bracket, you know, all, all these are basically cut in half. You're looking at uh, $41,775 crosses you into the 22% tax bracket. Well, if you have a similar income number as a single filer, as you did joint, you're going to have far more income that pushes up into the 22 and maybe even the 24% tax brackets. J just to give you a, a threshold here, 83,550 of, of taxable income equates to about $108,000 or $109,000 of gross income. A married couple stays in the 12% bracket the whole time. Loss of a spouse, now all of a sudden income, taxable income above uh, 41,775 to be exact, crosses into the 22% bracket. So all of that additional income is now being taxed at a significantly higher rate. Hmm. And once you factor in what that rate could be for a surviving spouse, that, and I take you back to my accountant who did the tax holidays, you've wasted, again, this opportunity to withdraw money from IRAs, do Roth conversions. There's any number of, of, of strategies that you could have deployed earlier. And here's an extreme example that I, I ran for someone the other day. They were retiring early, so retiring at 62, and they did not have uh, healthcare coverage that was was portable. I, technically, they could have you know, done COBRA, but we're, we're going to ignore that for the moment. She went out and signed up for uh, the uh, Obamacare marketplace insurance. And while she had low income, very low income in retirement, she qualified for you know, a few thousand dollars worth, worth of subsidies for her insurance. Well, in the short run, that looked like a great strategy. I don't want to push my income up above this number because I lose a few thousand dollars worth of, of subsidies. And I said, well, let's, let's just look at this for a minute and, and run this out a few years. At most, she would get that subsidy for a few years until Social Security kicked in or IRA distribution started happening. Three to 10 years there, potentially, to, before those things happened. But I calculated what her tax bill would be in her 70s once required minimum distributions hit and while being in these, these uh, you know, more compressed brackets, I said, you're looking at, at spending tens of thousands of dollars in additional taxes later by trying to save a few dollars in, in this subsidy today. And once you look through that lens of long-term and what, what the, the future tax rate is going to be, it can dramatically change the incentive the justification or or the uh, viable viability of Roth conversions and, and early distributions. So we, I, I kind of got her rethinking how she looked at these subsidies and what they were really worth versus what the the long term tax would be, and it uh, it definitely got a shift in her thinking.
Wow. Amazing to uh, kind of see how that plays out in an individual situation. And so we're not talking about saving a, a few dollars here with some proper tax planning and, and, you know, these tax filing conversations. I mean, these are big differences you're making in people's lives. Yeah. And this is potentially over a decade to or two type time periods. So that, and it really piles up. Yeah. It, and it's, it's every year. So uh, let, let's look at the stretch provisions for IRAs. It used to be that when you left, if you had a million dollar IRA and you left it to a child, if they were in their fifties or you know even sixties, they could have 20, 25, 30 years to slowly draw down that IRA and pay taxes on that stretched out time period. Well, now that has been compressed down to 10 years. Well, if your child who's in their fifties or maybe even early sixties and, and they inherit a million dollar IRA, they have to draw that down over the course of 10 years. Well, they may be in their peak earning years. And now all of a sudden this distribution, this mandatory distribution, uh, instead of happening over, you know, like I said, 20, 30 years, accelerates by, by a factor of 10 years. And they're looking at hundred thousand six figure distributions from an IRA while also in their peak earning years, and they could easily b- bump up into 24, 32, 35% tax brackets. Well, what if we had done the math on doing a Roth conversion or partial Roth conversions or realizing some capital gains uh, earlier when you were you know, married, filing jointly, had you know, in that $100,000 income range? Well, maybe you could have, you, you could have incurred another 50, 60, 80, hundred thousand dollars worth of Roth conversions and and kept it in a 22% tax bracket. And that seems high. Nobody wants to pay that tax. It's painful to incur that and pay it now. But when you compare it to somebody else paying, you know, 32 or 35% in the future, and and this all varies by individual, obviously, You you have to look at your individual situation. I'm just telling you what I'm running into on a, you know, day in, day out basis here. Interesting. I love uh, getting those kinds of specific stories because, I mean, this is something that people find complicated, Brian. I mean, taxes is not a fun topic for anybody to have to talk about. And then trying to figure out different tax brackets and moving parts and changes year to year, it's nice to have somebody to lean on to figure these things out. Yeah. It, and it's, it's a lot like the um, decision to when to claim Social Security. You know, there's an advantage to waiting. We talked about, uh, you know, starting early break even points there's all the all these different ways of looking at it but as i continue to you know look at what's happening monitor what's happening government spending wise government deficits uh the shortage of payors paying into social security you know last time we talked about uh social security potentially running out of the their trust fund and only being able to pay uh, 78% of benefits those aren't going to be viable solutions. They're going to have to find a way to pay the, the full benefits. And so, you know, tax just continues to come around as probably the single most important topic uh, that, that people should be planning around. You know, whether they're earning now and have Roth 401k contribution capability on their retirement plan, well, maybe getting a little bit of a tax break today would be great, but when you run the numbers and, and look at what your future required minimum distributions, your future pensions, social security, 
add all those things up and see where it falls on today's tax brackets and tax tables. And then imagine what happens when I think 2025, we, we go back to the, you know, the pre-Trump uh, brackets. So there, there's an automatic tax increase that's coming down the pipeline. It sounds like they're doing a favor by letting you wait until 72 to take required minimum distributions. They're probably going to wait until age 75 uh, to, to force that. But again, those are all things that are just going to drive up your future tax bill. And you may be missing opportunities today to take advantage of some of these strategies, do some of these conversions, do some of these uh, withdrawals or, or realization of capital gains while you're in a lower tax bracket, as favorable in the, the capital gains area as they've, as, as they've been in a long time. So I'm just, I'm putting that out there because I, I see a lot of people uh, lose a spouse and that's traumatic enough. There's enough to deal with, pay the bills and figure out where all the uh, paperwork and accounts has to be retitled. Well, then on top of that, just to add insult to injury, they find out, oh, you're, you're actually going up significantly in your tax bracket. You know, the withholding is going to have to increase you know, they've, if they've lost one person's social security benefit. You know, they're going to lose the smaller of the two, which, which is normal. But uh, all those other uh, incomes continue. You're looking at uh, substantially higher tax brackets as a single person than joint. Interesting to look at all of these different things here, Brian. Any other thoughts or things that we should be uh, thinking about or focusing on if we're looking for these tax traps, especially if we're single or looking at uh, what our heirs might be dealing with? One that I haven't mentioned yet uh, are the IRMA numbers, and that, that's the income where you're, you're looking at Medicare premiums potentially going higher. And, and so right now, you have to be above $182,000 of, of joint income to trigger an increase in your Medicare supplements. But for an individual, that number gets cut in half, and it's $91,000. So same, same thing. You may have uh, a situation where joint, if you've got a $150,000 income or something like that, uh, you're paying your normal Medicare premiums. You lose a spouse, you lose one of the social security payments. Oh, and we're going to increase your Medicare premium by $170 a month because you, now you're uh, subject to these individual uh, brackets on Medicare premium amounts. There's a lot there. I, I don't mean to make this complicated or mysterious. It, it's definitely something that takes a little bit of time, or if you work with somebody that knows what they're doing, that can can run these numbers and scenarios and, and know where the traps are. Uh, that That's your biggest you know, advantage that you can have right now is just knowing where the traps are. And, and one of the big ones that we've never talked about is converting to the single tax bracket. Okay. Very good. Uh, very helpful information. Thank you, Brian, for walking us through these different moving parts and these elements. If you've got a question you want to ask Brian about maybe your financial situation, especially as it relates to taxes, uh, some challenges to overcome. Should you do that delayed gratification thing? Should you try and take advantage of taxes now? Have you been pitched maybe doing tax holidays or something similar uh, as you try and navigate what's the best decision for you and your family? Feel free to reach out, talk to Brian about these different things. You can actually schedule a free 15-minute introductory call with Brian, see how you can get some clarity around all of your financial goals so that you can live the lifestyle that you want tax conversation included. So go to livingworth.com and click book a call. Again, book a call. Click that on livingworth.com or call 706-451-9800 to schedule your 15-minute call with Brian and the team.
Brian, thank you for the help and the guidance on the show today. Enjoyed getting kind of this walkthrough. I know this will be helpful for a lot of folks who took the time to listen and uh, tune in today. Uh, happy to help. Uh, hopefully it was useful and, and uh, inspire some, some people to take some actions today. Enjoy sitting around at home making pizza since you can't get out and about with the tax, <laughs> That's right. with the uh, gas prices. I'll break out my bike. That's right. Yeah, break out the bike and good luck holding off the Tesla requests as well. Indeed. Indeed. Thanks. <laughs> Take care. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody on the next episode. Come back and join us for more great conversations about your money, finances, and retirement right here on Make the Dough Rise. See you next time. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.